Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. The first lesson today comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. Now the word of the Lord. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more. They will thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to the springs of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is taken from Mark's gospel. We are in chapter 8. We are reading chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. Listen again with fresh ears. This is the feeding of the 4,000. In those days, when there was again a great crowd without anything to eat, he called his disciples and said to them, I have compassion for the crowd, because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. His disciples replied, How can one feed these people with bread here in the desert? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves. After giving thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute. And they distributed them to the crowd. They had also a few small fish. And after blessing them, he ordered that these two should be distributed. They ate and were filled. And they, look, they took up the broken pieces, left over seven baskets full. Now there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So a young couple in the church invites their elderly pastor over for dinner. And so while the parents are in the kitchen preparing the meal, the pastor asks the young son, says, Jimmy, do you know what we're having for dinner? And he says, yes, sir, we're having goat. Goat? Really, Jimmy, you think we're having goat? He said, yes, sir, I heard daddy telling mommy just this morning, today is just as good a day as any to have the old goat for dinner. So today is about the meal. Today is about this table where we share with one another the feast that Christ sets at this table, and especially as we focus on World Communion Sunday, there are Christians all over the world today who are sharing, have, are, and will share this communion meal at table today. World Communion Sunday was started 1933 by Hugh Thomas and his last name. He is from Shadyside Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He started World Communion Sunday, and a few years later, it was picked up with what became the National Council of Churches, spread around the world. And while not all Christians participate, Many do. And as, as a side, we like to say that in the United States, Presbyterians are most dense in two places, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Charlotte, North Carolina. That is the tightest collection of Presbyterians in those two places then spread out in the country. That's where Shadyside is. So it began then as a way to say we are united through Christ. Every thatched roof hut, every strip mall, every outdoor worship space, every sanctuary, every cathedral that proclaims that Christ has been raised, today we seek to join together at the table. All of us a little different, all of us may look different, sound different, live different, but in a divided world, it is so important to focus on that which brings us together. And today, it is Christ. It should be every day is Christ, but certainly today at this table. So let's look at our scripture for the day. We're in the gospel of Mark. And as we know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mark is the shortest and thought to be the earliest written Matthew and Luke both took some of their sourcing material from Mark and from other places. If you are looking to read and study and you want a brief, abbreviated account of the gospel, Mark is the one for you. He uses the word immediately, close to 40 times, and it is that feel. Here's what's happened. Jesus is doing this, and immediately they went here, and immediately he did this, he did that. He is simply relaying his thoughts, his impressions, and his eyewitness accounts, as opposed to Luke and Matthew and John that flesh that out a little bit. They are more narratively laid out. Mark hits the highlights. So we are in this conversation today in chapter 8, with the feeding of the 4,000. Well, wait, I thought it was 5,000. 
Well, you were right, except that was two chapters prior. So in Mark 6, he fed the 5,000. And so now, just two chapters later, why are we again having a miraculous feeding as it was recorded as 4,000? Well, here are some of the thoughts. So the feeding of the 5,000, which is the story that we know a little bit more, they were gathered about 5,000. And again, that didn't include women and children. It could have been easily double that number. And they had how many loaves? Five. How many fish? Two. Jesus blessed, broke them, and had enough for baskets left over, 12 baskets left over. Here, just a few days later, Jesus has a collection of 4,000 And Mark makes a point of saying that they are in the desert. They are in the wilderness with Christ. So the feeding of the 5,000, they weren't as remote or isolated as they have been here with the 4,000. It's been three days that this crew of 4,000 has followed Christ. And again, they're in the desert. They're in the wilderness. And in the 5,000 story, two chapters prior, it's the disciples that say, I don't think we can send them out without feeding them, Jesus. Here, Jesus says, we can't send them out. We're in the desert. They're all faint away if we say, "Just, just go. We've got to feed these people. So as a side and a good sermon angle for this is, yes, we follow Christ into the wilderness, even when we are not comfortable, even when we don't know where our needs will be provided from, Christ is saying clearly, I will be with you as I was with them. So when you are and find yourself in the wilderness, know that Christ is with you. So they break bread and they get seven baskets full this time. Seven, 12, good biblical numbers, all represent a variety of things from the 12 tribes of Israel to seven used all the way Old, New Testament, good biblical number. But what's important about those extra baskets is that they have accumulated the miracle. In other words, number one, if you see these baskets full, it's hard to dismiss away what Jesus has just done. Wait, did I see, did he, wait, he's breaking and he keeps breaking. How does that, is that a miracle? Or did we all just give a little bit of what we had? And so it was like a miracle because we all threw it in the pot and there was enough to go around. No. I mean, that is miraculous when we all do that, but I don't think that's what happened here. Jesus is clearly saying, I want you to know what has happened here. So much so that we've collected all of this extra so you will know that this was a miraculous feast. And then again, why so many? Are we now wasting food? So much in the church and in our life, we work on a model of scarcity and not abundance. And some of that is because we're trying to be good stewards. We certainly know that in the church. We don't want to spend too much here. We've got to make sure we're faithful with everything that everybody gives, time and talent and money, yes. But at some point, a journey with Christ is one that fills us with abundance, or should. It is one where we know our cup is overflowing with the grace, mercy, and forgiveness, and light of Christ. It doesn't mean this isn't prosperity gospel. It doesn't mean when you believe the the heavens will open up and gold will rain upon you. 
It means that Christ in your heart, in your life, will give you an abundant life. You will never want this symbolic meal. It means you will never be hungry or thirsty for ways different than what the world tells you. It's part of the significance of this meal. So a life of abundance is what we are seeking. And it's Christ saying, you don't have to settle for less. Come with me and we will knock this out of the park together. It's not always going to be easy. There will be horrible moments, but I am with you and I will fill you as much as you let me with my peace and my spirit to hold you and guide you. So communion is this opportunity today to reach out with our understanding of communion, that word that has C-O-M-M, com, built into it, communion, community, communication. That word at the root is with, com, and then union is in the back. What's union? Well, it's unity. It's with oneness. So this understanding of unity. It's why in the Presbyterian church, we don't do communion just with the pastor and one or, and an individual family up in my office. Why? Because it is separated from the church family. It is separated from the community. This is a family meal, just like baptism is a family event. And we don't do that in isolation. We are a people of our church family and the larger body of Christ. And so when we come to this table today, we recognize kind of the two basic pieces of this. One, we are joining all of our brothers and sisters and Christ at this table. Think about that. Christ sets the table for us to come and partake the, the feast that he has made. Not just another little wafer, not just some great juice. It is a significant connection point of spiritual renewal. And we are connected to all those in faith who have gone on before us, all those saints, all those people that we loved in our lives. They meet us at this table. One day, as John read the Revelation passage, all nations, all tribes, all people will gather at the throne of Christ. And one day at this table, that is an end times reference. But we also know that throughout life, we have significant kingdom moments that give us a little bit of foretaste of the kingdom that we know that is coming. At the table is one of those moments. Two other big words of communion. One is remembrance. A lot of communion tables will have do this or this do in remembrance of me. So it's to remember what Christ has done, given, and continues to do for us. And the other, some other branches of our Christian faith call it the Eucharist. Great. It's a Greek word that means thanksgiving or gratitude. So we are remembering what God has done for us and through Christ and giving thanks that God continues to love us and walk with us provides a savior for us, walks with us in this life and into the next. Remembrance and thanksgiving. Key parts of this. Now we can experience worship 
uh, uh, communion in different ways. Sometimes it can feel more somber. Sometimes it can feel more joyful. Sometimes you can do communion at a funeral service. Again, it brings everybody together in that connected nature. We did, we had communion at our wedding. We wanted the first meal that we had together to be one rooted in Christ. Now, a lot happened in our wedding. I don't know that I remember all of it, but I remember communion. I remember the bread and the cup and sharing that with our dearest family and friends as we started our new life together. When I was in youth ministry at White Memorial Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, we had a great trip. Essentially, it was the mountains to the sea trip. And in little over a week, we would span the entire uh, length of the state. We would start up in the beautiful mountains of Western North Carolina. We would start uh, whitewater rafting often on the Natahala as a group building activity. And from that point, we would move east every day, stay at a church, do a mission project, have a couple hours of downtime. Then we would move the next day east to a different church, stay there, do a mission project, move east until we got to the beach. Often it was the Outer Banks. And one of the first times we led that trip, I was unaware of a custom that in the summer was a regular activity because each time we went, I experienced the same. We would end our week-long journey together with communion. And we were able to do that because representatives of the church with other uh, um, adult advisors and the youth and others there are present. So that satisfies our family requirements. So we were on the beach, we worshiped inside and we had tiki torches once the sun went down, pitch black to lead us through the grass onto the beach where we were set up, tiki torches around. And then as we have gathered and welcomed folks to the table, participating, then it starts on both sides. Boom, 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 boom. Fireworks. Not big coordinated ones, just ones that folks who live and are on vacation around there, the ones that you buy at local stores and in the stands, would do their own mini fireworks show but far enough down each side that it wasn't on top of us, it didn't hamper us, but what a vision that was and what a celebrative communion that was with all these fireworks exploding into the night as we celebrate the feast. So communion can have different feel and different nuances for us. Today it is a celebration, but it is also one that we know we have responsibility in. Last year, on this weekend, I was coming from Montreat, North Carolina from an Advent planning workshop. Friday afternoon, I get about 10 miles out of Montreat and I start seeing smoke coming out of the hood. So I pulled over to a subway station where I spent the next three and a half to four hours Friday afternoon, guess who doesn't seem to work on the weekends? Car mechanics. So now I'm stuck, darn it, in beautiful Western North Carolina with friends. But 
the hard part was that that was World Communion Sunday. This Sunday, one year ago, it's at my old church. We had it all planned out. We had it all ready, except no preacher. We called around. We put the squeeze on everybody. We asked anybody, you have to have an ordained minister to preside over the table. Now, I had some, several elders that stood up and said, we'll take care of the sermon time, but what are we going to do about communion? Well, Friday comes, Saturday comes, we've thrown out Hail Marys everywhere. We weren't going to get a preacher. So there it was, just like we are this morning, all set up on the table. So here's what we decided to do. It started out as a, this may be what we have to do, but then evolved into something more beautiful. We know that Right now, around the world, there are some 215 million Christians that are persecuted. That's stats by the Open Door USA community. If you want to go online, they have all of the, that information. 215 million Christians around the world are being persecuted in a variety of ways. Some openly tortured and killed, violence to women and children, all of the different ways and the horrors that we know from societies that do not allow their citizens to worship. And so we decided that we would be in solidarity with those Christians that were not able to openly worship and not able to openly take communion. So we had the table there. They could see it. They could smell it. But they could not take, and we wrote some other liturgy that would help us be in touch with all those that we often lose touch with as we are spoiled with our freedom to be in solidarity with folks around this world. So today we will take this for them. For all of the ways that we think people are different, we know that Christ does and can unite us. So often it's the way people look or what they say or what they do or them and us. And that can just be in this building. When it fans out to those across the world, it becomes even harder. And yet we know that God created every one of them and that Christ came to reconcile the world to God. And today we do that at this table. Again, think of all of the languages. Think of all of the worship and the dancing and the music and those worshiping underground and those in homes and those in natural environments. Christians around the world joining at this table. What a joy and what a celebration. Christ is reminding us through Mark's gospel that we are coming to be fed and that no matter in that four or eight or 10 or 15,000, however many were fed, they had different backgrounds. They had different traditions. Some of them would have spoke different languages and come from different places to be a part of this Jesus phenomenon. And Christ brought them together through the breaking of bread. So let us come and realize that we are a part of this larger family of Christ and that it is our job, too, to take this out into a divided world, to show them that there is a way forward, and that way is love rooted in Christ. So with courage and conviction, let us open our hearts and minds 
to participate in this joyous feast. Hallelujah. Amen.